0: Oh, thank you for tuning in to the 94th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. Whether you are listening via SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Google Podcasts, I want to thank you for making me in this show part of your day. Uh, I got a lot of great stuff for today, going to have Pat Freeman, aka The Mighty Oba, uh, he covers the Buffalo Bills for the Criterion, uh, African American newspaper in Buffalo, so I'm really uh, excited to hear what Pat asks, say. going to talk a lot about the Bills, uh, we had a little other stuff in the interview about his career, uh, kind of which players I've given him some trouble. We even delved a little bit a lot into OJ, but, you know, technical difficulties, some of that stuff had to get cut, but I do promise you we're going to have Pat on again, and we're going to talk more into that because I think it's interesting. He's had a really interesting career covering sports, particularly football, and he's met a lot of people. There were stories about Reggie Miller, Mark Jackson, uh, Warren Sapp, so a bunch of stuff to talk about, a lot of juicy little tidbits, a lot of juicy little details we'll get to you. Also, he's stuff we talked about, and this is a little bit of teaser, teaser for you. Vontae Davis The true story why he left I know people want to hear that You know Stuff like that Really interesting uh, A lot of knowledge uh, Sorry that I didn't get that part But we got a lot of other Buffalo Bills centric stuff uh, Josh Allen His development Sean McDermott mm-hmm. Stuff of that nature But here's what I want to talk about To start the show Dak Prescott Wants $40 million For Jex the Cowboys $30 million offer Damn. You know what this is a tragic case of? Everybody knows this. Right? You know this. I know this. When it comes to dating, right, when it comes to selecting a partner to be with, don't you always, you know, so sometimes, you know, I learned about this. People do like a rating. So they'll be like, he's hot. She's hot. Ah, Nah. I don't know. Not pretty in the face. The body's not that good. And then you boil it down to a calculation. You boil it down to a system, right? But then everybody, like there's some people that are more attractive than others, right? When, we all, when it all boils down to a system, whether it be looks, money, prestige, uh, other physical attributes, stuff like that, right? Then you always, let's say so you boil it down to a number or something like that. You know, hot, not hot, right? All that. Because some people are better looking than others. That's why some people are models. But imagine this. When you're at the bar, you're out at a restaurant, somebody approaches you. Sometimes you just look at them you're like, ah... I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. And there have been many times where I've heard people, they said, why do you deal with that person? They don't justify that. They're they're not uh, attractive enough or, or nice enough or nice enough to justify you doing that. Their looks aren't that great and their personality isn't that great. Why are you dealing with all the BS? Why? You shouldn't have to where you deal with a little bit of more stuff, you'll deal with a little bit of more uh, pain, ache, and argument that the person's really attractive, have a great personality, all that. All those good attributes. But here's the thing with Dak. Dak, if I'm going to boil this down to a number now, because we're talking about football players, Dak is a five. Who thinks he's a ten? <laughs> he wants $40 million. You see... $40 million makes him, I believe, the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. It puts him out of guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, guys that he assuredly is not better than. It would make him the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, the highest-paid player in the NFL. Dak is not good enough to justify that salary. Dak is $25 to $30 million quarterback, not $40 million quarterback. He's not good enough to justify it for Jerry Jones. You want to know why? Because what makes Dak? Cowboys offensive line. Best run block blocking and best pass blocking offensive line in the NFL. Amari Cooper, star wide receiver. Ezekiel Elliott, in my opinion, the best running back in the NFL. Great defense, great front seven that the Dallas Cowboys have. Dal- Dallas works well. Because they have a quarterback in Dak Prescott. That makes all the plays. But he makes all the plays within a confined system. It's very simplistic what Dak is doing. Dak is not doing stuff Matthew Stafford was doing a couple years ago when he's throwing the ball all over the lot and carrying the team or what Aaron Rodgers has done. Or even the extraordinary things we saw Patrick Mahomes do this past season. Throwing for 50 touchdowns, winning an MVP. Or Tom Brady winning his sixth Super Bowl. All Dak Prescott has done is win a playoff game at home against the Seattle Seahawks who can't win a road game. (laughs) Right? That is all Dak Prescott has done. Dak Prescott hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl. He hasn't been to an NFC Championship game. He hasn't won an MVP. He hasn't won an Offensive Player of the Year. What has Dak done to justify that? Like I said, he's a five. Maybe I'll give you a six. Dak isn't bad. He isn't bad but, but but the personality The looks Don't justify all the hassle That that's going to cause you later on They don't Right You know when that parent Doesn't like that other That other person That you put in your life They're like You know what I'm going to be honest I, I, I don't like him I don't like her I don't think it's going to work out I don't think it's going to work out True story Uh, And these are two people I knew And they actually uh, broke up right? And the interesting thing about it was uh, When we were talking about the breakup And all the details about it I was like you know what I kind of myself thought the relationship wasn't going to last When you ask me What happens if he cheats on me Do you really think it's going to last When you ask somebody a month into the relationship If it's going to last It means it's not going to last Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys are mulling over right now. Do we really want to pay Dak Prescott? You want to know why? Because they know in their heart of hearts it's not going to work. They have to pay Ezekiel Elliott. They have to pay Jalen Smith. They have to pay Amari Cooper. They have to pay their cornerbacks. They have to pay their offensive line. A lot of money and a lot of wealth to be spread around. Here's some stats for Dak Prescott. Here's some stats, right? Uh, Look at his stats. 15th and passing yards. That's what he was this past season. 15th in the NFL in passing yards. Okay, 10th in the NFL in completion percentage. Okay, 19th in the NFL in yards per pass attempt. 16th in the NFL in touchdown passes. So let me put it to you this way. Uh, None of those stats are top five. There's nothing extraordinary about Dak. It's all good. It's all average or below average. Not explosive plays. Not big plays in the passing game. Nothing super dynamic. The only thing Dak Prescott does that is elite is he's around top five-ish and not turning the ball over for a starting quarterback. He's very good at that. Not throwing interceptions. But guess what? You know who else never threw interceptions? Alex Smith. The Kansas City Chiefs got rid of Alex Smith for Patty Mahomes. Right? There's a reason for that. The team... Makes Dak, not the other way around. And it's always important to remember this. Dak overstating his value a little bit. Like I said, Dak is a 5. That thinks he's a 10. Tom Brady's a 10. Great leader. Still has an arm. Very accurate. Great in clutch moments. Aaron Rodgers can make every throw. Patrick Mahomes doing stuff we've never seen. A's. Upper echelon. Tom Brady is that Tom Brady is Giselle, right? That is what Tom Brady, Tom Brady is Leonardo DiCaprio. This will be like in movies if somebody we haven't seen in a while, like Eddie Murphy comes up and is like, hey, I want to be Captain America in Avengers. And you're looking like, no, Eddie. No, no. Know your worth. Know other people around you. Know their worth. Know that their greatness helps your greatness. Now cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to have Pat Freeman, a.k.a. the Mighty Opa, on the show. Cut him next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk we have a very special guest with us Pat Freeman, a.k.a. The Mighty Oba He is the feature writer for the Buffalo Criterion How are you doing?
1: Great, how are you?
0: I'm doing good now, now the first question I want to ask How did you get the name The Mighty Oba?
1: Well, that was given to me by Dr. Curtis Simpkins About 25 years ago I was calling myself uh, the king of sports And he told me, no You're more than just the king of sports You are the Oba and the Oba means the wise one of the village, and I put Mighty on it, and since then it's been the Mighty Oba for about twenty-five years.
0: Okay, okay, I, I like that. I like that actually. It's a lot. It's It's a lot better. Wait, what did you say you were calling yourself before? The King of Sports. Okay, you know I like it. It's more creative. Than that. Yeah, <laughs> you're
1: right. Like... Yeah, so the Mighty Oba has stuck with me uh, ever since. You have
0: copyright on that?
1: No, I don't. I probably need to,
0: though. Know, oh, somebody starts coming trying to take, <laughs> take, take the name, trying to monetize it. You have to do something about that.
1: Yeah, I will.
0: So, you cover the Bills. This is your you said your 25th training camp. Yes. Uh, what have you seen from the team? Just give me an overview from the team.
1: Well, they've got some young talent. It's early, uh, they've got some injuries uh, that are concerning, uh, especially uh, E.J. Gaines, Mitch Morris. Uh, those are some very significant injuries, especially. Uh, Mitch Morris because his is dealing with a uh, uh, significant head trauma. Uh, Whenever you're put into the concussion protocol uh, more than once, uh, it's definitely a concern. So whether or not he's going to be able to play uh, has got to be a mounting concern for the organization. Now, EJ Gaines, uh, he's a guy that has a history of injury. Good player, very good player. But has a problem staying on the field. And I think that's why he has not stuck uh, with any particular team, including this one. This is his second stint uh, with the Buffalo Bills. He's a decent player, but has trouble staying on the football field. He has a groin injury right now, uh, and that's going to be a problem. Spencer Long uh, is dealing with a uh, knee issue. Um, That's going to be something you're going to have to look at as the year goes on because... Uh, those things just don't go away, especially when they're a lingering uh, type of issue for a veteran player. So Spencer Long has some issues. Uh, John Feliciano, uh, he was out for a couple of days. Uh, so the Bills have a, a interesting injury list. They lost Waddle uh, for the year uh, with a knee injury towards ACL. Uh, they're calling it a quad injury, but it is a, uh, a ligament tear, which would Uh, take care of him uh, for the rest of the season. So the Bills have some injuries right now. Uh, They did bring in an area native, Jerron Jones, who's a native of Rochester, New York. They brought him in. He's an offensive tackle, and we'll see how he works out. But the Bills have some significant injuries that are of concern, uh, you know, this early in camp. And they they open their preseason tomorrow against a very tough Indianapolis Colts team. Even though it's preseason, uh, but the Indianapolis Colts have a significant uh, degree of talent. I think over the Buffalo Bills. I think this could be uh, a team that could win the AFC.
0: Now, something you talked to me about about uh, like last week, uh, I called you, called me, and the first thing you tell me is Josh Allen has looked better than ever like he's looked a lot better than you last year like you see the improvement just talk about that a little bit in terms of josh allen
1: well what i said it actually is that um i can see he's worked on the issues he was having last year accuracy um you know the timing of his throws he has had some struggles in camp uh I, so i won't go on record saying that he is absolutely looking better uh he definitely has showed uh, that he's worked on those issues, but uh, in camp he's had some pretty tough days, but remember this is practice, so I'm not going to judge him uh, thus far on training camp or practice. Uh, We'll see what happens during the course of a real game, and tomorrow's a preseason game, Uh, so that'll be a little bit of a test for him going up against somebody uh, that doesn't see a red jersey. See, and and that's the biggest difference you're going to see. The guys are going to be coming after him, whether they're backups or not. Uh, They're going to be coming after Josh Allen for real, and we'll see how he reacts. He has made an effort to stay more in the pocket. I think that's by design. Uh, So I'm not going to judge him on training camp. He has looked like he has put in a significant amount of effort on his accuracy, um, his foot position. A lot of it is, is, is in your feet. Uh, how your footer position on the release of passes. It looks like he has definitely worked on that with Jordan Palmer during the offseason. Uh, so we'll see uh, when things are somewhat for real. Training camp, uh, I think, is a little bit, it's hard to judge it on significant improvement because it's not for real. You're wearing a red jersey. You are protected. Uh, in a game itself, whether it's preseason or regular season, uh, some of the protections are removed, so we'll see how he does tomorrow.
0: Don't you think, though, that it's a good sign, though, because in training camp, when I think of training camp, I think of, you know, it's not too physical, so, like, it's more technique, it's more learning the offense, so the fact that he's a physical guy, that's his best attribute, the fact that he's looking good in his mechanics, in his motion, and his feet, that that gives more promise than if, like, let's say, he, he wasn't, because he's going to have to rely on those mechanics.
1: No doubt. Uh, if he's doing that repetition-wise, it'll help him... Uh, when the situation becomes for real, when at 325-pound, point five forty guys chasing you down, wanting to do harm to you, uh, definitely his mechanics will help. So, uh, so far, so good. I mean, I, he's had some, some rough days, but like I said, it's practice. So we'll see uh, how he does in the first preseason game. I think they're going to get significant uh, time. I think what is going to hurt him is the fact that he has some injuries on the offensive line. So the offensive line continuity is going to be affected by some of the injuries uh, that uh, this unit has sustained too.
0: Now, my question for you would be, you know, when we talk about Uh, In terms of, it's by design, they want to be more in the pocket, but like you said, when that four or five uh, defensive lineman's coming at you, you're going to revert back to what you know, like muscle memory. And also the coaches are going to be like, what he does best is he runs. He's bigger and he's faster and he's stronger than a lot of guys. It's kind of like the Cam Newton syndrome. Right. Uh, so, h- how do you think that we're going to see that? How much running do you think we're actually going to see from him? Whether it be like they're going to change it up by design or he's just going to start doing that because that's his instinct.
1: I think a lot of his instincts are going to come in, but this is the problem with athletic quarterbacks that we've seen over the years is that coaches overcoach them and it takes away from their instincts. And now they're going to you know, try to stay in the pocket and you end up seeing these guys take a lot of sacks. So don't be surprised if you see him making an effort to stay in the pocket and the end result might be him taking more hits. And that's not good uh, because that's when quarterbacks get hurt or they uh, sustain more sacks. So we're going to see. I mean, this has been a problem with athletic quarterbacks. We saw it with Tyrod Taylor, Cam Newton, and, and you just go on down the list. That quarterback coaches and coordinators tell these guys, I want you to do your work from the pocket. I want you to hang in there as long as you can. And sometimes you got to let these guys play by instinct. And I could tell in camp uh, that Josh Allen was making an effort to stay in the pocket. Now, he's got a strong arm. Uh, we're going to see how this works out and whether or not it affects his instincts.
0: You think, though, that maybe what they should do is because, you know, like, part of it, your game is your game. Like, you can't ask somebody that's never done something their whole life and then just say, okay, in a couple months you need to learn this because realistically the best thing, I think the best thing for the team, and I want your opinion on this, is for him to run. Like I think I think that's their most explosive play. Right. Like using him in the running game. I think he's their most dynamic weapon.
1: Right. Yeah, uh, last year, no doubt about it, but you know the NFL. Uh, this is the way the NFL has coached athletic quarterbacks for years and that goes back even before. Uh, Josh Allen, Tyrod Taylor, look at look at what happened with Steve Young. Steve Young uh, was told to stay in the pocket. What ended Steve Young's career? Concussions. Started staying in the pocket, started taking more hits. So um, we're going to see. I mean, quarterbacks are protected. We're going to see, will they look at this from an overcoaching standpoint if it affects Josh Allen? A lot of times these guys are overcoached and they lose that natural instinct on the football field. That's something we've got to look for. Uh, Will that affect Josh Allen's game? Because naturally, like you said, uh, one of the the strongest strengths of his game and his team is his ability uh, to make plays happen with his legs. But if you're telling him to stay in the pocket uh, mentally, how is that going to affect his instincts in being a natural football player in the flow of the game. I how do you, that's going to be interesting to see. How backs.
0: do you think he'll fare with that? I don't know.
1: Okay. <laughs> We're going to see yeah, tomorrow. Sure. I mean, it will be the first. Uh, that's a question I can answer for you a little bit better tomorrow because obviously uh, what we've seen in training camp is that he has made an effort to stay in the pocket. A uh, couple of days he did take off. Uh, you know, uh, and it looked like natural takeoffs, but it looked like they were coaching him to stay in the pocket more. And whether or not this will affect his game, I I think honestly, I think it will because we saw it with Tyrod Taylor. They were telling Tyrod Taylor, "Stay in the pocket. Why don't you stay in the pocket?" And he wasn't taking off. They did the same thing to EJ Manuel when EJ Manuel was here, and other qu- athletic quarterbacks. So. Is it going to affect him? I, I think it is. How will it affect him? We're going to have to see. Um, because you can make mistakes when you don't play with your instincts and the natural rhythm of the game. And if he loses that natural rhythm of the game, uh, we could see him make more uh, mistakes. So we'll see tomorrow. I mean, that's the first test. It's a preseason game against a very good preseason opponent. Um I really believe the Indianapolis Colts are one of the teams that can challenge for the AFC. And they are a very good team. We're going to look at their starters probably for the first quarter at least. Um, so we'll see how Josh Allen fares. But there's no game planning. So he's not. That's the biggest difference in preseason. Whereas you don't have game planning till maybe the third or fourth game. Probably the third game. If any, there's some game planning. But the first two games, it's just more hit or miss. And, you know, that's just something you have to deal with when you're looking at the progressions of how the NFL works.
0: How's Josh Allen as a leader from what you've seen?
1: I think he's okay from what I've seen. I, I think uh, his teammates respect uh, his work ethic. And that's that's key uh, to being a leader on the team. And uh, it's a young team. And uh, we're going to see... Uh, if this work ethic uh, leads to more wins on the field. So that's uh, probably uh, what we're looking for. I think he has the respect of his teammates, and that's that's important, at least from what they're showing us.
0: Now, were you a Josh Allen fan in the beginning?
1: No, I never was really. You know, I can't say I was a fan or not a fan of Josh Allen. I, I only looked at.
0: Has he? Do you think he's exceeded expectations from where you
1: no. th- I think he's played as we expected him to play. We we thought that he would have some assy issues. He's a tremendous athlete, uh, and uh, a lot of his yards were made with his legs. Uh, In the NFL, he's going to have to do these things uh, more from the pocket as he progresses. Uh, But I think he has the athletic ability to be a, a very good quarterback. There's no doubt about it but uh, will that spell out to wins on the field? If you look at his college stats, um, we need to see improvement on his accuracy uh, for him to be a better quarterback at this level. So I I wouldn't say if I was a fan or not, I try not to be a fan uh, at this level. You try to be more objective, even though we know it's our hometown team, Uh, but I try to be uh, a little bit more objective I was not uh, that crazy about last year's quarterback class as many people were. They were saying it's such a great quarterback class. I I did not seem to think uh, that it was that great. I fought the year before uh, when we passed on players like Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes uh, would come back to bite us. And I I still believe that. I think Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson uh, were are going to be two of the best quarterbacks that have come out in the last five to seven years. Actually,
0: I know somebody that I work with. He tells me every day that Josh Allen's actually better than Patrick Mahomes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever.
0: He just says Patrick. He said Patrick Mahomes was better, offensive coaching, and he has better weapons. Which I, both of those are true, but I still think Patrick Mahomes is better.
1: Well, uh, I can't disagree that they, uh but the Bills do have weapons. I they you can't. Uh, Receiver-wise, they they are young. Uh, they, have, they added some experience at the receiver position uh, with uh, Cole Beasley and John Brown. Uh, but I think Patrick Mahomes is in a system uh, that is very quarterback-friendly, which is Andy Reid, so I wouldn't disagree with that. But I think right now Patrick Mahomes uh, and Deshaun Watson could be two of the best quarterbacks in the league, and we passed on both.
0: So you think it's crazy that he says... Uh Allen's better than Mahomes.
1: Oh, at this point, yes. Uh, because Mahomes is, is the defending MVP. I mean, that's basically...
0: Well, he also told me that Josh Allen was the best quarterback in the division, so...
1: In the division? yes. Yeah. I I don't see how he could say that. <laughs> 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 so right now, I mean, he hasn't earned the right to have that.
0: Well, because he says Tom Brady's a system quarterback.
1: No, I think Tom Brady has earned the right to be... Uh, Tom Brady uh, I think Belichick has helped in his success a lot but I think Tom Brady has proven uh, that Tom Brady is a very good quarterback I think Sam Darnold showed me enough last year that he has an ability to be a, a decent quarterback um, as far as the Miami Dolphins quarterback
0: that's magic
1: well you got Josh Rosen now I um, don't the big debate was who was going to be the one pick, Josh Rosen or Josh Allen. Now they're in the same division, so we'll see. Got to give him a shot. I give Josh Allen the same opportunity. He could be. He has all the physical. He's a physical specimen. Would, would you
0: would you that. say it's fair to say right now, like coming into that draft, I thought Josh Allen would be the worst out of the five quarterbacks that were drafted.
1: I was not a, as I said before, I fought the that draft was somewhat overrated. I thought the year before, the draft uh, was better of just impact quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes to me are impact quarterbacks. I thought the Bills made a huge error passing on both. Last year-
0: You would put Baker in that category of impact quarterback?
1: I think Baker Mayfield could be an impact quarterback.
0: You don't think he's just as good as a Deshaun Watson?
1: I think he has the ability to be. Um, I, I like I like what he did in Cleveland. I like what he did really more so. In the, I thought he should have been a starter day one. Uh, I thought Hugh Jackson made a mistake um, by not starting him day one. Well, it
0: wasn't the Browns first. It won't be then. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: right. But Baker Mayfield could be. I mean, you know. We're going on potential rather than uh, actual performance on the field. Um, I think we'll see this year. You know, second year is a critical year in the development of a quarterback. I thought Josh Allen uh, had earned the right to be the starter uh, of this particular team. But like I said, I fought the year before. those two impact quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes, to me, um, the Buffalo Bills should have taken one of one or the other, and was in a position to do that.
0: Now, what's been your favorite moment of Bill's training camp?
1: Well, that's interesting. Uh, I would say and that's a hard thought, but I thought that Micah Hyde, uh, Jordan Poirier, E.J. Gaines, before he was hurt, I, I fought, and Tredavious White, man. Our, our defensive backfield, the backside, has the potential to be very good. If Kevin Johnson is healthy, uh, Kevin Johnson could be a steal if he can stay on the ball field. This is a guy that was one of the top corners coming out of college, and if he can stay healthy, uh, our backside could be very, very good, along with the fact that that I think our linebackers, if Deion Lacey is given a fair opportunity, this guy's a physical specimen too. Now, he's also my frat brother, <laughs> <laughs> so I am a little biased, but I think Dion lacey has been on this team now for a couple of years, and I'd like to see how he plays uh, at an outside linebacker in this defense. This guy's a physical specimen. And uh, with him, along with Lorenzo Alexander, Uh, Matt Milano, who's proven to be a very good ball hawk before he was injured last year. I thought our defense uh, looks fairly good. I I like Ed Oliver as a draft choice. Um, I think Shaq Lawson is gonna have a breakout year. He's playing for a contract, obviously. But I think Shaq Lawson has also showed uh, his humanitarian side uh, when in his hometown a young girl was uh, killed and he paid for her funeral costs. And I, he made national attention with that. And then they were on Good Morning America line dancing mm-hmm. <laughs> just the other day. So I, I like the spirit of this defense. Um, from the back side to the front side, I think we have a good chance of being a very, very, very good defense. Offensively, I, sh- I still have some questions. Now
0: you're on record saying we could have a Shaq Lawson side in this year. That excites people. Uh, yes.
1: I mean, <laughs> he's playing for the money. I mean, if he doesn't, it's over. That's true. Yeah. It's he's going to get minimal amount of money if he does not make impact this year.
0: Now, has there been any rookie Hayes or any fights that you witnessed?
1: There was a couple. Uh, nothing serious. I mean,
0: who, who Dawson
1: Knox, uh, I can't remember who he was fighting with. But there have been a few scuffles. There's always a few in, in training camp. Uh, it gets heated out there, and you got ninety guys now fighting for jobs. So uh, there's always a few scuffles. Nothing that I can really remember, other than I, I know Dawson and was, was there, one of the participants.
0: Was there any clear winner?
1: Not even. <laughs> they didn't allow it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's when it gets outside the locker yeah. when there's a winner with some when somebody actually gets yeah, to, yeah that's but, when you got to stop it.
1: But it's been a good camp, I, just called it a I, I think it could be one of the last in Rochester, if not the last. I can't see them going back uh, to St. John Fisher many more times, if not at all. Why? Uh, well, because they only had eight practices this year, uh, they used to be there 23 days, they're there less than two weeks. They're going to do a joint practice next week with the Carolina Panthers and then play a preseason game. So you're basically, you're moving your entire operation from one Bills drive to Rochester for two weeks? I I can't see them continuing that trend. And they put all that money into the training and uh, the care facility for players, over $18 million. It's one of the the state-of-the-art facilities in the NFL. And you can't duplicate the Rochester. You just can't.
0: Now, what has been, since you've been, like you said, you've been covering it 25 years, what's been your fondest memory in training camp?
1: I think when I first started, I was kind of in awe of some of the Hall of Fame players that were on that team still, even though uh, they were one year removed from uh, their last Super Bowl. Um, Just being able to interview the Andre Reeds, the Thurman Thomases, the Bruce Smiths, the Jim Kellys, and uh, the Cornelius Bennetts, Uh, I thought was one of the great privileges to begin uh, my career of uh, of covering the NFL. And uh, then covering my first Super Bowl. I was in awe of that uh, because it's such a big, it's probably the world's largest uh, sporting event and uh, then after a certain number of years, you learn how uh, to properly cover an event of that magnitude and to bring uh, it back to uh, the people you serve in Western New York or all over the internet, I thought was uh, one of the great privileges too. So I've covered 19 uh, Super Bowls. This would be my 20th year covering a Super Bowl.
0: Now. Has there, in your time covering sports, has there been any athletes that's ever disappointed you?
1: Disappointed me how?
0: You thought you thought they were going to be like a cool guy and they ended up being kind of a, a jerk.
1: No, I really don't um, allow myself to get too close to too many of...
0: Or you're just like, wow, like, okay. Oh,
1: well, some of them have been, like Warren Zap. Uh, I had an incident with him in Phoenix, Uh, he was just pretty nasty, but then later he got in trouble. Um, I, I don't, you know, I didn't particularly like the way, uh, he spoke to me and he was pretty nasty, you know, and and I thought that was disappointing too, because he always comes off like he's a jovial guy, but, uh, in person, uh, he was not very, uh, very kind I would say. I think he was trying to challenge uh, whether or not I would uh, respond and uh, you know I I just let him know that I'm not you know I'm not gonna back down. Uh, But uh, I was not looking for anything out of professionalism but he kinda was very professional Uh, and that was somewhat disappointing. I've had some over the years Reggie Miller, I asked him for an interview, and uh, he saw me waiting. I was covering uh, the Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors, their very first game. I covered the Toronto Raptors' very first game uh, in Indianapolis. And I was waiting. Everybody saw I was waiting for Reggie Miller, and he was lifting weights. He gave one or two interviews. Afterwards, uh, to some national guys, I asked him, he said, no, man, I'm done. And Mark Jackson uh, saw him, you know, he basically said to me, he was done. Mark Jackson saw that and said, hey, bro, I got you if you need me. You know, I thought that was pretty uh, classy of him and a few of the other uh, Pacer players that were there, Antoine Davis, they, they all gave me interviews. They saw I was there waiting. Uh, specifically for Reggie Miller. He didn't give me an interview. And then the next day, um, I had asked. No, that wasn't the next day. Uh, we covered the Bills game the next day against uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Um, and that was a good, good game. And uh, all the Bills players have always been very cordial uh, as far as interviews. So I've never really had a problem with any of them. Um, I did, uh, at the Super Bowl, uh, back in my, Miami, it was the, uh, the Colts against the Bears, I got the first question Thurman Thomas when he was elected to the Super Bowl, and I used that for a commercial for a, a lot of years. And I got the first question on Bruce Smith uh, when he was elected to the Super Bowl in Tampa. And uh, those are memories that you always remember uh, covering uh, athletics at at the pro level.
0: Now, now who? Well, now we talk about athletes that disappoint you. Who's somebody that really impressed you? Like you mentioned, Mark Jackson. Like that's really cool of him to do. Mark, like, yeah. like, like, like who's the guy you come away from? Like, my like, man. Like that's a really cool guy. Like that. that that's. Sam
1: Coward. Uh, I had been talking to Sam Coward about doing a radio show, uh, live here. And uh, I said, I was trying to get sponsorship. I did not get any sponsorship. So, you know, I went up to him after last preseason game and said, hey man, sorry, we couldn't get any sponsorship uh, for the radio show. I guess we can't do it. He said, well, sometimes you just got to do things for your people and your community. I said, really? He said, yeah, let's do it. Did it anyway, did it for two years. So I hosted the Sam Coward Show uh, for two years with him. He came to the radio station every week. And uh, we put it on radio and later aired it on video uh, later that week. So uh, we hosted the Sam Coward Show for about two years. And I never had any money to give him. He did it for free.
0: Okay. Now, uh, here's what I do want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about O.J. Simpson. O.J. Not black. He's O.J. That's O.J. The...
1: Greatest football player I've ever seen.
0: Okay, greatest football player you've ever seen. Ever seen.
1: seen. Just... I, I I don't make if any if fans are dumb.
0: And people forget about it because you know everything I mean, else. Exactly. But, but just talk about people don't realize how electrifying he was. The
1: greatest running back I've ever seen. Fastest I've ever seen. Um, O.J. Simpson by Far was the greatest Buffalo Bill. There's not even it's not even close.
0: Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, not
1: close. Thurman Thomas, not close. O.J. was just a freak of nature. Anybody can review his films. Nobody has done a thousand yards in seven games. Seven games, and then he did another thousand and three in another seven games. Nobody. It's still a record. Fourteen games. O.J. Simpson, 2,003 yards in 1973. He saved this franchise. This franchise needed a new stadium. Not only did he save the Bills franchise, but he became the folk hero the NFL needed. Before there was Michael Jordan, there was O.J. Simpson. That guy represented Hertz for a number of years. Gillette, Remington, he had so many endorsements. It was bizarre. And he was in Buffalo, of all places. And he put Buffalo on a map uh, that I think uh, did such a service to Western New York that most people have totally obstructed this man's contribution to Western New York because of the unfortunate events of 1994.
0: Now, I want (laughs) to... Do you think O.J. did it?
1: No, I don't know. All I know, he was found not guilty, and um, we're supposed to... Respect decision. I've never entered into whether he did it or not. But remember now, I am biased with O.J. I grew up admiring O.J. Simpson. Everybody wanted to be O.J. Simpson growing up. So it, what happened in 1994, was a threefold tragedy for me. Uh, what happened to Ronald Goldman? What happened to Nicole Brown Simpson? Absolute tragedies. But the third part of that tragedy is that O.J. Simpson fell from the mantle of superstar to absolute nothing. He has nothing. I mean, all he has is his pension and what he once was. So it was a threefold tragedy. So I never can say whether or not he did it or not, but I, I know that Ronald Goldman lost his life. Nicole Brown Simpson lost her life. Somebody murdered them. But also, too, O.J. Simpson fell from the mantle of being one of the great superstars, uh, probably, of the century. I mean, the NFL, 100 greatest players. They had him at 31. 31. O.J. Simpson. Really? Come on. He's one of the greatest players ever played. He's top five, top ten. There's, there's very few players that his stats alone, if you go back over to running back stats, he still has records. He has the most 200-yard games in NFL history. It's not even close. This has been since the early 70s, man. I mean, how do you put him so low because of the tragedy of what happened in 1994? And we can't deny that that tragedy did not happen. But to me, it was a threefold fold uh, tragedy. The worst being... Uh, the murder of two innocent people, but also the tragedy of this man falling from the mantle of greatness.
0: Now, right about here is where uh, the other part of the uh, podcast, that part of the interview with me and Mike Freeman, gets deleted. Like I said, I promise you, we will get him in again to tell those other stories. But come kind of up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to tell you some crazy things that have been going on. I'm going to give my takes on them. Come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk again. What have been Pat Freeman and the Mighty Oba for coming on the show. Now, here's what I do want to talk about really quickly. Before we get to some crazy things that, that have just been going on that I think are really interesting. Uh, and sad. And funny. like, like it, It's all a mixture. Uh, but here's the deal. So we see the rookie quarterbacks last week. Uh, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins. Three first-round picks, right? Uh, Kyler Murray and uh, Daniel Jones look the best. Kyler Murray goes 6-7 on his first drive against the Chargers. Plays really well. You see, you know, him getting the ball out of his hands really quickly. Like, bing, 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 boom, bang, right? Really good. Uh, And then people overreact like, oh, my God, Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, revolutionary offense, right? No. No. It's the preseason, right? Same with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones goes, what does Daniel Jones go for? Five for five? He goes five for five um, against the Jets. Plays really well. Dwayne Haskins struggled a little bit. He threw two picks. But but here's the thing about all three of these quarterbacks, right? I'm not going to overreact because Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray did well against these vanilla defenses uh, that don't blitz, that aren't doing exotic schemes, that aren't disguising anything against backup NFL players or players that won't ever play in the NFL or players that you'll see at your local McDonald's very soon, right? Right? Or even guys that you'll see in the XFL or the AFL or the Canadian football. The guys that will never play down in the NFL. Or practice squad guys. Like, I'm not going to get too excited over that. Kyler Murray was a number one overall pick in the NFL draft. He should do that. They also ran a spread office for the Arizona Cardinals. They ran a spread. Kind of similar to what Kyler Murray ran in Oklahoma with uh, Lincoln Riley. A lot of similar it looked like uh, similar concepts to me is what it looked like. So he was very comfortable. He was very comfortable. And you see a Daniel Jones, right? He's making throws. Daniel Jones just, it looked really good. But let's remember, the Jets aren't doing anything. They're not doing anything special on defense. So it was scripted for Daniel Jones and Kyler Murray to succeed. Now, we see a guy in Dwayne Haskins. He struggles a little bit, but you know what? And here's my thing. Uh, Dwayne Haskins threw two picks, but two picks, but here's what I would say. The Washington Redskins offensive line is porous at best. Dwayne Haskins getting hit a lot, and their franchise left tackle, Trent Williams, doesn't want to play for the organization anymore because apparently they lied about injuries or whatever. Not a good situation for your rookie quarterback to get. And so I give Dwayne Haskins a little bit of a break. But here's the thing, and I want to say, here's the thing, and here's what I look for really in the preseason. I see. Traits You see with Kyler Murray, he has accuracy. Uh, he has pop pop on his arm. His feet are extremely quick. You saw him run a couple times. His He might have the fastest feet in the NFL. Daniel Jones. You see, this isn't some guy that doesn't have physical gifts. Daniel Jones, when he drops back, you see how athletic he looks. He looks like an athletic-looking dude. It's kind of like Josh Allen. At first, I was like, how athletic is Josh Allen? And then you see Josh Allen up close in the NFL game. You're like, damn, this dude is pretty freaking athletic. Like, this dude is an athlete. Same with Daniel Jones. You look at him and you're like, okay, okay. This dude looks like he has the body, he has the physique, he has the speed, he has the arm. You see that there's athletic traits that make him a first-round pick. And then Dwayne Haskins. You see uh, why people talk about Dwayne Haskins being this prototypical pocket passer. He's big, thick, strong man. He's a big man. looks like he's about 240. Looks really big. And he's thick, too. Has the arm. And he's athletic, too, himself. So you see traits, and that's what you look for. You look at traits that you can build off of and that you can use to create a scheme that allows your players and your personnel to have the best success. That's all the NFL is. Look at the Patriots. That's all they do. Put their players in the best position to succeed. You're not going to split Julian Edelman to the outside. You're not going to do that. And you're not going to do that because that's not what makes Julian Edelman great. That's not why Julian Edelman wins Super Bowl MVP. He wins Super Bowl MVP because he kills you from the slot. It's like Tom Brady. Hey, it's like, hey, Tom Brady, let's throw a bunch of uh, 20-yard-plus passes like we're Patrick Mahomes the Kansas City Chiefs offense, even though we have no deep threat to speak of. It's like, no. Short passes, bubble screens, play action. Stuff like that. It's like, hey, Rob Gronkowski... You're struggling a little bit with your speed. Your athleticism is deteriorating a little bit. But hey, you know what you still do at an A-plus level? You block. Hey, let's pitch on the line of scrimmage. Get down there with the old linemen and let's maul people. See, that's why the Patriots are smart. And that's what, this is what we have to look for the whole preseason. There are traits in each of these guys, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, that can be used and uh, cultivated and immersed, that can be brought together to have success. All three of those guys that I looked at and watched, they can all play in the league. None of those guys, it's not like they don't have talent. And I assume they all work hard. At least I hope so, right? Now I'm talking a little bit about just some crazy things. Just some crazy things that, that were in the news cycle. So Jalen Ramsey, all-world cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the NFL. Uh, he talks about sliding into DMs. Now everybody knows what sliding into DMs is, uh, Usually it's happened with with a guy who takes interest in a female, uh, and they will, uh, whether it's Instagram, you can do it Snapchat, you can hell, you can slide in people's DMs on Facebook. I don't know about Instagram, because I'm not on Instagram, but I know you can do it on Facebook, Snapchat, and uh, you can do Twitter. You can do it on every social media platform. You're going on your individual messages, just say a message, say, hey, how you doing? You know, try to get in there, try to see if I can get a date, if I can hang out with you, you know, do all that. So this is what Jalen Ramsey said he did. Before uh, he was in the NFL when he was with the Florida State Sentinels, he would slide into opposing uh, wide receivers, their girlfriends, DMs, on game day or before game day. Now, uh, (laughs) let me tell you how funny this is. Imagine game day. Um, You're a player, you're getting warmed up, you're a receiver, and then you hear your girlfriend calls you and it's like, hey, you know that quarterback Jalen Ramsey? He was trying to talk to me last night. You're like, huh? And Jalen says he did it to get opposing players off the off their game. Everybody who knows who Jalen Ramsey is, you know how he criticized Josh Allen, said he was a bum. He talks. He's brash. He runs his mouth, talks a lot of trash talk, that just type of guy, that just type of player Jalen Ramsey is. And Jalen Ramsey said he did that for, for his whole college career. career. Now, here's what the even funnier thing about this is. Jalen says he does not do that in the NFL. And here's why Jalen Ramsey does not do it in the NFL. Because he was like, people got wives in the NFL. People got wives. People people married. <laughs> you can't be doing that. He's like, oh, so, so, so something might happen. You can't be messing with people's wives. And I agree, Jalen. That's smart. You definitely should not try to slide into other men's wives. Uh, right? Not necessarily the smartest move. Okay, another story for you. Antonio Brown, not wanting to play, threatening to quit the NFL because of his helmet. Uh, it's not one of the thirty or so helmets that are uh, the NFL has deemed safe. Antonio Brown, it's an old model. The helmet he has currently. Apparently, he came to an Oakland Raiders practice with his old Pittsburgh Steelers helmet, tried to paint it like it was Raiders colors, and hopes nobody noticed it. Kind of crazy, kind of nonsensical, foolishness. But like I said, it's Antonio. It's Antonio Brown. Uh, Foolishness has been everything to do with Antonio Brown for the last four or five years since the Facebook Live incident has gone straight to hell from there. But just imagine, you're going to get rid of millions, or reject millions of dollars to play a game because you're not comfortable with your helmet. I'm a dishwasher. That would be like me saying that I want to quit washing dishes because... I'm not comfortable with the new dishwashing machine. Well you want to know what? I'd have to get over it because dishwashing pays the bills. Okay, next story for you. Carmelo Anthony denied by Michelangelo and Greg Popovich to join this FIBA USA basketball team. Uh, this is crazy because people need, and I know people like to criticize Carmelo Anthony, but here's something people need to realize. about from 2010 to let's say 2014 let's say 2008 2014 carmelo anthony was a top 10 player maybe some seasons maybe even a top five player and assuredly a top three score since Melo came into the league oh three came in the same class with lebron he's been the best scorer in the nba he's been up there with guys like a, a Kobe bryant who we talk about their ability carmelo's has a mid-range game, has a three-point game, can drive the hole, can shoot. And I think people forget all those things Carmelo Anthony could do because of his lack of uh, postseason success. And the only really postseason success, championship-level success he's ever had is at Syracuse's freshman year when he won a championship, and USA Basketball has won three gold medals. But guess what? You have the best 15 basketball players in the world, so you expect to win. But it's crazy how, fa- how far from grace Carmelo Anthony has fallen. And, and, and it's quite sad. It's really sad. Now, the next story we have, Tate Martell, uh, former Ohio State quarterback. He is now with the Miami Hurricanes, but he lost uh, to Jaron Williams, who I believe is a freshman, and I want to read this quote. Uh, This is what uh, Tate Martell said. He said, after being there for two years, talking about Ohio State, after being there for two years and not playing, I couldn't risk it anymore. There's a point where you love your teammates, you love everything about the school and the people there, but you have to start thinking about yourself. And not doing it because these are my teammates. They all understood, and they weren't upset at all. Okay. And Tate Martell goes to Miami Hurricanes, and he loses the starting job. And then reports he wasn't at practice the next day. Oh. What a team player, Tate! What a team player! Now, here's the thing: uh, he was a five-star quarterback, uh, highly touted, highly recruited. And, and here's the thing: what people need to realize: uh, sometimes you don't end up starting. And I and I and I say this a lot. Uh, like for example, like I'm a Division three wrestler. Uh, if you're really good in high school at a sport, and you don't want the commitment of doing Division one, uh, you want to still have great athletic success. Then there's D three, there's D two, there's NIA, there's a lot of other college revenues the way where you can still revenues to utilize you can still have your regular college experience can still play a sport can still go to school have the whole nine yards now obviously Tate martell is looking at the nfl there's other things he's looking at but here's the thing every time you don't start you can't just keep transferring and transferring and transferring because at the end of the day the ncaa national collegiate athletics association student-athlete I know they're not really student-athletes, but we try to say they're student-athletes. You can't keep transferring because you're not going to start, right? You can't keep doing that. <laughs> there should be a three strikes in your out rule, right? After three times, it's like, nah, bro, you got to stay. You got to stay. So this is just crazy I mean, he doesn't come to practice. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what's he going to do? I mean, maybe, and it's probably once not stay in a power five, up. Uh, Right, he goes from the Big Ten at Ohio State to the ACC with the Miami Hurricanes. You know, notable uh, programs, power and Power Five conferences. Maybe you need to go to the MAC and play for my UB Bowls, right? Maybe that's what you need to do. And it's just crazy that you know, that's not realized. Now I want to take a quick break and cut him next. After break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I want to talk about something that broke my heart and made me want to play the crying little violin. The, mm, I'm that. And I'm going to explain what that is. Come next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. Now, sad news NBA, Demarcus Cousins. Torres ACL, and uh, I think Stephen A. Smith was talking about this a couple days ago. Marcus Cousins has cost himself about $200 million. And it made me sad because I remember I cried. I almost cried when uh, Kevin Durant tore his Achilles. You know, it was game 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 five, right? Game five in Toronto, comes back heroically, has like 11, 12 points to start the game, then makes a move, carries Achilles. A little sad, a little violent, because it's was like, this man cost himself money, cost himself being that elite player, and it's like, Boogie, this is a guy that you saw people talk about who struggled with mental health, you know, he was a problem child to begin his career in the NBA, really immature. He's been growing up before our eyes, he's accepted lesser roles, accepted being a guy that goes from averaging 28 points and 15 rebounds, to a guy that averages 16 points and 8 rebounds, to a guy that plays 40 minutes a game, to a guy that plays 20 minutes a game. To a guy that is a starter, to a guy that is a bench player. That's a it's it's big to take a step back like that when you're in the heart of your prime, the heart of your career, when you're trying to get yours. When it's time for you to be selfish. At the moment where DeMarcus Cousins needs to be selfish, he can't because he was selfless. And Nick Wright pointed this out. Torres Achilles going for a loose ball. He. He comes back, played for the Golden State Warriors, plays well for 20 or something games. Uh, injures himself going for a loose ball, misses uh, the rest of the playoffs, comes back for the NBA Finals, and has one good game and then looks porous. DeMarcus is a guy that has done everything right lately. And it makes me sad that he's not being rewarded for that. And maybe he might never be a Hall of Famer. And maybe... Five, ten years ago, he's going to be what we consider Derrick Rose. Like, people forget, ten years ago, Derrick Rose was better than Russell Westbrook. Derrick Rose was better than James Harden. Derrick Rose was better than Chris Paul. Derrick Rose was better than Steph Curry. But we don't talk about Derrick Rose. We don't talk about Derrick Rose. I think it's always important to remember that these athletes, there's a personal element to it. It's not just a player on the court. I know a lot of people don't care about Demarcus Cousins, you know, out of out of sight, out of mind. He was like the, the sixth best player on that Golden State Warriors team last year. He, he was probably not even going to be in the game lineups for the Lakers this year. It's a LeBron and AD show, you know, right? It's not Demarcus Cousins, but just when I want to put my prayers out for Demarcus Cousins because it's really a sad, sad story. It's really a sad, sad, sad story. And when I and when players get their money, fans, people. Please do not criticize them because stuff like this can happen and they can cost themselves 200 plus, 100 plus million dollars. You might say, what is that? Boogie's set for the rest of his life. He probably will be. But he has a chance to make sure his kid's kids will be set for the rest of their lives. That's generational money. That's stuff you can't get back. And I don't care what line of work you are, how financially secure you are. 10 mil, 10 mil, 20 mil, 20 mil, 50 mil, 50 mil. And I ain't never seen a mil in my life and I know that. Thank you for listening to this episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. I want to thank Pat Freeman, a.k.a. The Mighty Oba, for coming on the show. See you for the next episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.